The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Or Podcast. Shout out to all you fan whores, spam whores, and those who make money on all fours. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, hey, hi-ho. Welcome to the show if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. This week on the podcast, I have got on author Lisa Selen Davis. She's got a book out right now called Tomboy, The Surprising History and Future of Girls Who Dare to Be Different. And yes, I, you might be thinking this, but uh, this is the second Tomboy book here on the podcast this year. Uh, it's the year of the Tomboy, everybody. As y'all remember, a few months ago, had had on Melissa Falavino. Her book is uh, Tomboy Land. Now we got Tomboy. Looking forward to some look, looking forward to some more Tomboy content this year. I would love to. Uh, it's it's great. We had a fantastic conversation uh tackling gender as it slowly uh dissolves into the ether where it belongs back in the past <laughs> come on now gender's got no uh no place in a modern society but uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk plenty about that in a little bit but first want to share some uh some fine messages i got from you people uh recently that i want to share this first one comes from tiff tiff writes just finished listening to your episode on happy endings, and I love how you normalize all things sex and pleasure related. I'm a 27-year-old female and have gone for, yes, six, six, everybody, six happy endings at Asian massage parlors. I feel shame around it at times because, like you said, it's cheap, so you feel cheap, but oh my god. There's something so hot about letting a stranger see you nude and pleasure you without having to do anything in return. It's so underrated. I wish more females would seek it. Um, it is weird seeing females used as a noun over and over again, but that's fine. Um, Tiff, you exist. It's real. I feel like I get this question about like once or twice a year from women who, who are like, hey, I'm a lady. I got one of those pussy parts. And gosh, I would love to get a happy ending massage. Where do I go? How do I get one? How how do women hire sex workers? Semi-regular question I get. Um, I did do some follow-ups with Tiff. It appears that she, just like many a businessman, uh, just went to an Asian massage parlor, 
No appointment, no picking stuff out. They happen to have uh, a male masseuse there. So that's how she got. But I've heard of women who have gone to Asian massage parlors and they just, you know, they get one of your generic old Asian ladies and they do the massage bar and they do the rub rub. And because those women, they don't care. They're just, they're like, whatever organ I got to massage, I will do it. I just want to get off the shift and go back to my reruns of VR. At least that's why I like to think that they're thinking. But Tiff, I'm glad uh, you exist. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, women too get happy ending massages. If I might throw out a small tip for uh, the post-vaccine world for you. You said uh, it, it feels cheap because it is cheap. And I agree. And if you'd like to feel less cheap, maybe consider hiring a, hiring like an independent no mama-san involved sex worker. Maybe hire a male escort who says that he can specialize in massage. They exist. They're out there. You just got to go look for them. And, and you might leave the session feeling a little better about yourself and, and not that ugh, icky feeling. It is weird when you leave an Asian massage parlor because you feel like part ah and part ugh. So <laughs> uh, glad you had fun. This next one. Comes from Sarah on my OnlyFans. Ooh, on the flans. Uh, Sarah writes, Billy, it was way too hard to find you on here. That being said, I have money and I want to see you perform with Ms. Giggles. Do you have any videos with her I can pay for? She is so hot. You're very cute, too, with your cock and your body hair. I, I know you from Keith and the Girl and... <laughs> Though you are exasperating, I can't stop thinking about you and your cute bod. Well, gosh, Sarah, I will take half compliments, whole compliments, 80% compliments. Because, look, when you do what Sarah did, uh, which was she proceeded to slap me in the face repeatedly with her credit card, uh, I'll take whatever you're giving to me. Bring it on. I'm into it. <laughs> and after she unlocked a, a, a couple videos with me and the boo and... Threw me a little extra tip, and, and she even asked to show me her tits, which were they were wonderful. Uh, she we closed out with uh, with thanks, Billy. My partner is super excited that I shared those tits with you, so I'm gonna get extra laid tonight. Your OnlyFans is real nice, and I hope to hear you on Keith and the Girl again soon. So you hear that, Keith Chemda? Have me back ASAP. You're like my second biggest uh, OnlyFans referrer behind uh, BuzzFeed News. So glad you had fun with those, Sarah. Hope uh, hope we get to chat again on there soon. And this last one, this last one also from the OnlyFans, which and this one was fun. This comes from a fellow we're going to call him NM, right? I want you to know I worked in TV news for many years. You are so fucking good at your podcast. Crazy good. Awesome interviewer. Terrific. Interesting. Tilling. Content. Applause, applause, applause. Though, of course, I asked him if he can help me get a manager. He's like, ah, I wish I had those connections still. And I'm like, oh, well. Uh, so then he he fulfills his second purpose, which is like, if you can't help me professionally, well, gosh, make me feel pretty. And he says, he after complimenting the, the perfection of my dick, uh, he goes, I do love a straight man who can take a compliment about his cock from a gay guy without feeling threatened. Absolutely nothing is sexier than self-love and confidence. Yeah, yeah, I know about your insecurities. Just take the fucking compliment. You got a perfect dick, man. You hear that, my queer fellow homie listeners? 
super not intimidating to get those compliments from you. Uh, you know, hey, I I'm straight, but you know, my ego very pansexual. It's I take I take the good vibes from wherever. Uh, and if you want to send me an email with your your comments, your compliments, your questions, your criticisms, you can send all that on over to manhorpod at gmail.com. I do uh, I do read emails as well as OnlyFans DMs. Uh, did you know, folks, it is arbitrary black sales period. Yeah, whether you call it Cyber Monday, Black Friday, fucking Black November, I don't even know anymore. But hey, if everyone's running sales, I'm running sales too. This is your last chance, folks, to get 15% off an annual fan whore membership on Patreon. That 15% comes out to like almost two months off. So this is quite the deal right now. Limited time only. You can support the podcast for a full year and get all sorts of fun goodies starting as low as like 20 bucks. I think I did the math and the lowest is like $20.40. So this is a deal, people. If you, if you want to support the show with your doll hairs and you don't want to have to worry about that monthly billing cycle, pop on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Get yourself an annual membership by November 30th and you'll get 15% off. And you do can get a fan whore appreciation moment of your own, just like we're going to do right now. We'll start off with Brian F. Thank you, buddy, for being a member. He's a, <laughs> I can't find you anywhere on the internet, so all I know is you're one picture on Patreon, and it seems like we are both members of the No Shirts Selfie Club. Rock on, dude. Thanks for being a member. And a big old shout out to Hey Queen, What's Up, to which I respond, N2MJCASL. Hey, thanks for being a member. Thanks for supporting the show. And now we're just going to shove on over to this week's guest, Lisa Sellen Davis, because I do, you know, this was so good. I don't want to delay with any more jibber jabber, any more chitter chatter, none of that. I want to get you to Lisa because it's such a great episode. Um, I, I left this recording the other day on one of those podcast highs, which is how I know it's a really good show. When I, when I, when I end the call and I'm like, oh, did I just make a new best friend? Anytime I have to remind myself that we are not best friends, me and the guests are, are not actually best friends, and we were just we're just two people who shared an interesting hour and a half of conversation, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> Makes me feel lonely when it crashes a couple days later, but still dope. Uh, Lisa's got a book out. It's called Tomboy, and this one, folks, if you are into the if you're into the sucking and fucking episodes. If you're into the conversations about gangbangs and porn and butt stuff, you're not going to get like any of that in this show. Sorry. This is this is a lot about parenting. We're talking about gender. We're talking about identity. So let's go and, and, and get to my chat with Lisa. Folks, uh, you know, you, you might be listening to this on the way to Thanksgiving, on the way home from Thanksgiving. Ideally, you didn't go anywhere for Thanksgiving. That was very far. You ho- Hopefully, you didn't mix up too many households. Uh, this year. And if you were one of those uh, wonderful, wise people, you're probably stuck at home. You might be feeling lonely. You might be watching some of the porns. And you know what we say over here. You got to hashtag pay for some of your porn. And there's no better place to do that than at hotmovies.com. Yes, hotmovies.com. We all know it, right? I've been talking about them for years at this point. They're a pay-per-minute porn site. 
It just means that it is both an ethical and affordable way to hashtag pay for your porn from all your favorite studios, featuring all your favorite porn stars with all your favorite porn categories. Uh, and gosh, it's so they have so much content. I mean, they got stuff for queer folks, straight folks, kinky folks, you name it. Uh, I just type in turkey. And like now I see, oh, um, they got options such as a cream on her pie, stuffing my sister's turkey, and Tim and Joey based the turkey. I'm not really sure which one's getting basted, Tim or Joey, maybe both. Who knows? They both just seem really into it based on the cover. But you can watch any of those fine films and more at HotMovies.com, and you can get 20 free minutes on top of any package you sign up for, including the free trial. When you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR, HotMovies.com, pay for your porn, search fun Thanksgiving-themed keywords and just see what comes up. Make masturbation interesting this weekend at HotMovies.com. <laughs> That's got to be the new tagline. Make masturbation interesting. <laughs> Folks, I look, I know we're all horny and I know we are all super excited to make new connections. We're all ready to have some non-monogamous adventures with our significant other or others. And I know that it's tough that I'm telling you. Hold off just a little longer on on those orgies. Hold off a little longer on the sex clubs. Hold off a little longer on on fucking weekly threesomes with new people. But I got to tell you, now is such a great time to mix the sluttiness of lifestyle with like the antiquated idea of getting to know someone, right? And you can do that. You can meet new like-minded people at altplayground.net. Yeah, so many, so many people, so many non-monogamous people across the country and Canada are are meeting up on altplayground.net and connecting with other lifestyle people, whether you're polyamorous, swingers, hot wifers, maybe you're solo poly, whatever you're into there, maybe you're a single unicorn, okay? There, there's all sorts of different types of people connecting on that site, and they're making it really easy to connect with people virtually. For example, like they've got this new arrivals module. They're really into the modules, folks. I don't understand why they keep putting in the ad copy the word module, but they put it there, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> but I but I can tell you honestly that the new arrivals module is on fire with so many hotties. So many hotties. And very possibly hotties in your neck of the woods. New members are joining from across the country, uh, resulting in so many new connections between lifestylers. So you should go check that out over at altplayground.net. It's the place to go for your next non-monogamous adventure, whenever that may be. Altplayground.net. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now let's get to the show. So I was home alone and I wanted to watch uh, soap operas, but I wasn't allowed. So I could only do it if my brother didn't come home and didn't catch me. And my father would say, I would just beg and beg to be able to watch General Hospital. And he'd say, I don't want you to learn the message that love justifies everything. And that's what those shows do. 
there was a lot of heavy critique of popular culture. <laughs> That's incredible. You can't you can't get a lot of parents to even say that today. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you know, my kids are watching Gilmore Girls right now, mostly without me. I I gobbled that up in the nineties, and um, and when I peek in, it's it is very romance heavy, and mm-hmm. I think like, oh shit, they're really they're really picking up that this is what matters, and wouldn't it be nice for them to see depictions of young girls and women who didn't give that much of a shit about whether or not they had a boyfriend and how about that as a, yeah. as a model or a girlfriend i wonder if it's uh you know if it's similar to the porn discussion where it's like it's not that this type of porn is bad it's not that this messaging is bad but it's bad absent other examples and a diversity of examples yeah like, if gilmore girls is your only example of what romance and love is possibly a problem but if you have that and you're seeing your kids are watching a half dozen other shows that show romance and a romance and a a variety of ways relationships can look then i feel like that's a little bit more well-rounded right but also having it be so much of a focus of their lives when it doesn't have to be on the other hand i have been thinking a lot about the invention of childhood in america right it's it's a pretty new concept i mean for Mm -hmm. one thing Children either worked or, you know, they grew up if they if they didn't have to work, it was because they grew up in a family of some kind of means where they were being groomed to inhabit some other kind of role. And so we've we've only really seen newsies, right? (laughs) (laughs) We've only had childhood as long as we've had public school, which is uh, 170 years or something. Mm. It's very new. Am I doing that math right? Yeah. Sometime in the mid-19th century, we start having public school. And then instead of going to work, kids start having childhood. And then instead of inhabiting adult responsibility in their teenage years, everything gets pushed off more and more. So first we get childhood, then we get teenagers. These are all recent ideas that come from pushing off adult responsibilities longer and longer. But the truth is, you know, not that long ago... You'd be, as a teenager, you'd be finding your person and hooking up and cranking at your babies because your body was (laughs) ready for that then. And so on the one hand, I'm arguing, oh, we shouldn't be just thinking about romance when they're so young. But honestly, that's a new idea anyway. That's a new idea that there should be this protective time before they partner up and procreate and work and become adults. I mean, even the concept of like romantic love is like f- fairly new in the course of human history, right? It's like, you know, to pair up because you love. So- I mean, that's, yes. that's maybe what, a few hundred years old tops? Well, that's very uh, interesting. I, I, a few years ago, I did an article about where the idea of the soulmate came from. Mm-hmm. And I think the research showed that it's like a 1970s idea. And of course, bearing for love is older than that. But the idea that there is this one person who is supposed to be your everything is a very, very new concept. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm working these ideas out very slowly for a project I'm working on now that's about kind of the history of working women. But mm. I, I really think it comes down to urban planning. <laughs> and maybe it's because that's where I... That's where I came into this world. I mean, I really think there's something about the growth of suburbia 
and living in nuclear families that changed that changed everything about human beings lived and and, and infused us with a whole bunch of brand new ideas. And I just don't think we'd lived that way before. And I think when it comes down to it, it's not that good a way to live. So if you're, if you're relying on your partner because you're living, you know, I mean, we're in the city, but let's say we were living out in a, in a big house with a big yard and we just weren't, didn't have this kind of interdependence that we, that some of us have when we live differently. And your partner needs to be your best friend and your confidant and your lover. And they just like need to be all these, everything because of the way you're living. But there are so many cultures that break that down in different ways. And, mm. you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know that much. I don't know how realistic this, this thing about the way the French are, where they're just like, we have marriage and we have lovers, but it's not, you know, those ideas shock people here but i i think you know a lot of the way we live is just a not that human here and just imposing these really unreasonable expectations onto human beings and then fighting all the time because we can't meet them yeah well i mean this this also might be the latest i've introduced someone but uh we're here right now with <laughs> love I'm it i'm just rambling uh, no, no, you're on a roll, and who am I to interrupt that? No, no, no. Uh, it, well, I want to say real quickly that I'm here right now with, with Lisa Selen Davis. Uh, she's the author of Tomboy, The Surprising History and Future of Girls Who Dare to Be Different, uh, the second Tomboy book uh, uh, of the year, <laughs> as we discussed before we started up. But but what you say is, um, you know, the you know, non-monogamy has also been around for a long time. I think a lot of people, especially in polyamory, will say like, yeah, I don't want to be your everything. That's a lot of pressure or that's a lot to ask of you. Um, it's like you I, you got to be the lover. You got to be the caregiver. So I, I'm glad that you, Lisa Selen Davis, are here to argue against the American nuclear family. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what the Republicans were all afraid of. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm exactly what they're complaining about. And I, I've, you know, the pandemic has really changed my experience of the nuclear family because we've mm -hmm. had for the first time. There are four of us and we've been, you know, very much in our own little bubble. I mean, not that kind of bubble, not the pandemic bubble, but mm. we were always in big groups of people, kids doing activities, school, making friends with other families, always asking who else is around. If we want to go do something, who can we invite? Not really knowing how to be alone. And then, you know, for four or five months, we had to actually learn how to be alone in the family and, and to make our family a refuge, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I, I enjoyed that assignment, but I've definitely also wondered, like, what goes on on the kibbutz in Israel right now? Like, mm -hmm. what goes on in these people who are living more communally or co-housing in America or Denmark or wherever in Scandinavia it's from? These, these other models of living slightly more communally that I think are much more human and and much better for child rearing. I mean, it, it truly makes no sense to have just the, the same the same way we were talking about your soulmate has to be everything. As a mother, as a mother, you also have to be everything. You're supposed to like scrub it and 
cook and organize all the activities and have a full-time job and, you know, exercise. And I gave up on looking good, or, but, but I mean, you know, Stop it, the, ex- Stop the it expectations, <laughs> you know, are, it, it, it's not actually humanly possible to arrive at success in this model of modern motherhood. Well, that's a lot yeah, of like, M's. like, yeah, like imagine if like my dad didn't have to like he could just be provider and there was maybe another male presence to imbue other things upon me and maybe there's another presence in the household to give me this thing rather than mom and dad these two people got to give me all the things that you need yeah. to teach a kid to not fuck them up. Yeah, it's you know, and then maybe you resent dad less for focusing on being a um the breadwinner and rather like yeah. no that's just his that's what he brings right. to the table that's right like that's a legitimate you know we got we have to divvy up we have to divvy up the jobs but i think mm-hmm. expecting all the jobs to be divvy, divvied up among two people instead of multiple generations of people extended families family a of village. friends yeah a village it takes oh. a village right I know. Yeah. Every time I think I've stumbled on a great new idea, it's 2,000 years old. Yes. It, <laughs> it takes a village. And I and most of us don't have a village. So we should figure out how to make more villages. We have in America, I always, I always think it's a little bit sad that America was founded by Puritans because it seems like there could have been... <laughs> I'm like, the man-whore orgy guy. You think I don't regret <laughs> that I couldn't be out back over there with the pagans they yeah. had so much fun yeah. and they were like oh we came over here because you're too much fun I'm yeah like, ah. oh. yeah they were feasting and celebrating and having multiple gods and and a more pluralistic i don't know i don't know that yeah. but i'm i'm talking out my ass no 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 exactly. that's accurate but, <laughs> yes but what little i know and i know that mostly from researching a little bit about the history of how Christmas became like a commercialized holiday about children here, which I is actually truly fascinating also. But just, but just thinking what I did learn a little bit about was, um, and let's see if I can say this in a cohesive way. Um, for instance, there were some and still are some Native American tribes that may have third or fourth Genders and gender is a difficult word because it means mm. multiple things, but essentially by that they mean people who are living in a with a different kind of gender role. So they may wear different clothes from other people of their sex, um, and they may have sex with di- the people of their same sex or not. And um, and they're they weren't always um, celebrated or appreciated, but in some tribes they might have been thought of to be like magical or have special powers in some ways. Mm-hmm. And um, but then of course, you know, the Europeans came along and just rooted that out because that's not how we do it. Not only do we only have men and women, but men and women behave in very specific ways from the way they dress to who they have sex with. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile. There are some cultures that might have third or fourth genders, and those genders might be tolerated, if not celebrated, understood, acknowledged, but those also might be cultures where homosexuality is either illegal or deeply frowned upon. And so if some of these, some of these people that in, over there are thought of as third or fourth genders 
we might see them as gay people. They might, the boys that when they start growing up, they're very, very feminine. And then they're, you know, they're sort of slotted into this other gender, um, where it's kind of okay, but here we might recognize that as a future gay boy, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's all, there's a lot of insistence that sex, gender, and sexuality have nothing to do with each other now, and they're three distinct, uh, d- distinct and separate things, which is a yeah. very new idea and an interesting idea. But for most of us, those things are separate, but in a, in a very deeply entangled relationship with each other. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I remember reading um, "Not Gay: Sex Between Straight White Men." Fascinating read, by the way. One of my favorite recommendations. Um, and I remember, like, learning there was like <clears throat> sexual orientation. It, it didn't even really have to do with who you fucked at the time. It was like, were were you a fae man or were you a manly man? And it didn't yeah. really matter what. It wasn't about like who you did. It was kind of about how you were. So it was about your. It was about your gender and not the actual act of sex, right? It was about like how feminine or masculine you presented. And of course, these are our ideas of what's feminine and masculine and what's, mm-hmm. we, what's feminine is mostly associated with women and what's masculine is mostly associated with men. But having looked a little bit at how those words got attached to childhood and then how we, how we kind of tell kids how they're supposed to behave and then tell them that their behavior is rooted in biology. I think like, I, I wish we could, I wish we could come up with new words or not just not lean so heavily on the words masculine and feminine and, and stop tying them to male and female so much. Right. Cause like when you say masculine, you don't like you, what do you mean? You probably mean like strength of, authority uh decisive stuff like that it, but that why does it have to be mask like can it just be some i don't know it just seems odd that's still tied to that uh, i've i've been i've been skeptical of this whole gender thing since i was like a little kid because they would say boys don't do this and i'd be like you taught me in the constitution thing everyone's created equal so <laughs> none of the shit you're saying makes sense to me anymore like don't teach me we're all equal if you then want to separate us because it would always be like boys do this and yeah. i'd be like why and he'd be like just because i said so and then i'll be like see it because you 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 parents out there yeah i'm y'all need the because i said so argument holds so little weight yeah and it, you lose such authority with me as a seven-year-old yeah where'd you grow up <laughs> I grew up in North Jersey, uh, oh. Italian, uh, Italian, you know, third generation Italian dad. Eh, you know, the, yeah. the guy. Like I, when I was eighteen, I didn't know. Um, I had a I had a car, and I got a. Fl- I came outside, and there's a flat tire. I go to my dad's, like, there's a flat tire. Can you help me fix it? He's like, go get the manual. I go to get the manual. There's no manual because I bought it used. Uh, I bought used from his guy that he told me to buy it from because he's like, oh, that guy owes me a favor. You're going to go to gym. Uh, you know. <laughs> so I do. And then he just starts yelling at me like, what kind of man doesn't know how to change a tire? You don't know how to change a tire? What kind of fucking man doesn't know how to change a tire? You fucking moron. And I go like. I thought like fathers taught their sons how to change tires. So like what kind of dad doesn't teach their son how to, you know, and it'd be like, but I'm not born just because I've got a dick and identify as a guy doesn't mean I know how to change a tire when I come out of that, you know, know. come out of mom. You did not, not we weren't born with a tire iron in your, just attach, attached to your umbilical cord. 
Yeah, and I didn't like come out learning how to effectively arm wrestle either. It's just like these are things I can learn if you want me to, but stop looking at me as a gender and thinking, well, I'm automatically X, Y, and Z. You know, what inspired you to to write the book, to write Tomboy? Well, I was first inspired by my own kid who starting at age like three, four, when kids are really starting to segregate by sex and to be interested um, it, with playing with their own kind. And they often really try to like look the part. They get very, very interested in performing the stereotypes associated with their sex, which is all part of their gender development. Um, and my kid, my older kid just wasn't really doing that and was just really in the middle and playing with both boys and girls and would play princess, but wanted to be the dog, etc. I, um, wrote a little bit about that because that's what I do when with things that are of interest to me. And then um, we did not, I didn't know anything about how gender developed in kids. And I, you know, but she wanted short hair and she wanted sweatpants. And we facilitated these things even as we wondered about them and wondered what they meant and worried a little bit. And um, what's the worry? When you're, you, I think the idea that you want your kid to be both exceptional and to fit in, and you're just like, everyone's doing one thing, why aren't you doing it? And what does it mean, right? Mm -hmm. How is this difference going to manifest later on? And I know a lot more now. So I know that if your kid is rejecting gender norms by age four, that it, all it means is you are so lucky and you break out the champagne. It doesn't, who, I mean, it's it's there's not a clear path between that and and any particular outcome but um anyway in sixth grade she came home and said someone told me i was a tomboy and i was like oh that's so funny i had never associated that word with you and not only that i hadn't heard the word in years mm -hmm. and i remembered that when I was her age, there were lots of kids like her. All of my friends had short hair. We were all wearing boys' clothes. That's how people were dressed. That's how a lot of girls were dressed in the 70s. And we were, we were wearing matching striped t-shirts and corduroys and keds, and we all had the matching bowl haircuts. And even though I wasn't a tomboy, at, you know, in terms of how they were thought of then, which is kind of a girl who acts like a boy... And I go on to interrogate what any of those things mean. Yeah. But um, I wasn't like that, but I certainly looked like that. So then I began to wonder, how do we go from the tomboy being this archetype of girlhood in my youth and this model of girlhood that so many people aspire to, to, to being disappeared, basically, not only from popular culture, but also from the schoolyard? Like, why weren't there other other kids like mine around, where did they go? And so I launched this investigation into the word, its history, into what it means to be a girl who acts like a boy. And where do we get our ideas of what a boy acts like and what a girl acts like from? So those are, those are, and then who do they grow up to be? Those are some of the yeah. questions that I ask in the, in the book. Mm -hmm. And how'd that conversation go with your daughter the first time she comes home and says, like, they said I'm a tomboy. Like, what? And this is before you've launched this investigation. So, yeah, yeah. What's that nervous reaction like? That was more like, 
I mean, I think for us, it was like, oh, okay. But I think what the word tomboy did for her and did for generations and generations of women before her, because it's actually an incredibly important word and idea that in a lot of ways gave birth to feminism in this country. And most of the suffragettes were, had been raised as little tomboys. And, you know, so it, it's, it's actually a very, very important concept in women's history, even though no one ever talks about it. But um, what the word did for her and what it did for legions of women before her was um, create this protective bubble in which she could be herself. So if you offer that word to people, then they don't have to say, why are you different? Why are you acting this way? It alters the expectations of you that, that are, that most people have based on your sex. So you're like, uh, I'm, you know, we have other words now, but we still have those expectations more than ever. We have those expectations. Just people don't realize it. So I think it gives it, it gave young girls room to cross over to the blue side of the pink blue divide if they wanted to play baseball if they wanted to have their hair short if they wanted to be sporty if they wanted to play with boys oh that's a kind of girl it was a variation of girlhood that was acceptable um for certain girls in certain times you know if they weren't too masculine of course you could you could still cross a line and be gender policed but i think that word, however offensive it may be to people, sometimes um, it moved the needle for a long time and then it disappeared. That makes me feel sad, though, for, say, like the goth chick who is certainly not like a tomboy, but is definitely not one of the preppy girls or, you know, is like not like a girly girl. And, you know, I, certain identities like that that kind of get lost in that shuffle if it can't really fit under tomboy. Right. Like, where do we have... Just, just something that popped in, yeah. Oh, well, I've been thinking about that a lot because of the whole craziness of schools are closed. And, you know, even it's so hard to serve children as individuals. And there's mm. so much emphasis in public school on conformity. You should all learn the same way. You all need to be at a certain reading level by a certain age. And it's so much earlier than you actually need to be reading. And... They're just it just it's very very hard to control people if we let them all be different. It's anarchy. So, you know, deciding girls have to be like this and boys have to be like this. That's that's how we've always ordered the world. And also, it's especially when we say girls have to be like this. And by the way, they're subservient, quiet, you know, to everyone else. Yeah. Well, that's that, gonna... those are just the rules. I don't know who wrote them. I'm sorry. That's there's nothing we can do. There's an ERA thing we could pass. Ah, I don't know. Meh. What that is. <laughs> <Meh>. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> ER who? <laughs> who needs it? But you know, it it then it then when you're grown ups, then you get to maintain you know social control. So it's mm -hmm. it it's it's very hard for people to let go of their sex based ex expectations. And they really cling, they just cling to if all this stuff is biological, even though we, we can't know because we don't have gender equity. So we don't, we don't know how p people would be if they didn't, if there weren't different expectations for them. And even if you are blessed enough to strip yourself of those expectations, then you have society just trying to paste them back onto you. 
you know, uh, for, for good or for bad, whether it's someone thinks, hey, can you come be a big, strong man for me right now? Yeah. And I'm not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or when someone's like, you're probably the worst human being because look at your face. And I'd be like, fair, but not me. It's yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know what I look like, but it's, it's <laughs> you know, we, we even today. So, um. I got into like a Twitter thread. Uh, I, I replied to some tweet uh, about like sex work and I gave, I shared my response to an opinion uh, with my own opinion on the thing. And the immediate response was, are you a sex worker? In which case, I don't want, I don't really care about your opinion on this topic. I simply, re- and I simply replied back the word yes. And, and then she like replies back, like, I deleted my uh, precious tweet because I didn't even look at your profile because she saw my face and was like, oh. not only is that a guy, but that's the face of the guy who loves to just like explain shit to women yeah. on a topic <laughs> he doesn't know about or have a connection to instead of taking three seconds to empathize and go like, is this? Oh, it's in his bio. OK, uh, you know, it, it, so it's just it, it's interesting or, you know, I mean. That's just my personal experience. I know there's yeah. a lot of other versions of that on the other side of the dial. Uh, did you have a similar gender? Uh, did you have that gender divide broken down when you were a kid? Well, I think when you have like a single mom who's at times working multiple jobs, etc., you know, you don't, there are no gender roles really in, in our nuclear family. It's just like, here's the shit that has to get done. Yeah. It's just my mom doing everything. I do remember after my stepfather moved in and I, I remember going, looking for the toolbox and assuming it was his. And my mom saying, that's my toolbox. He didn't have any tools. Um, so I, so I had those things with me. I actually, there, there are all kinds of funny ways that it comes up. Like my kids are only like my older kid is playing a little bit of music and not much, but, um, People, when we talk to people about it, they'll always look at my husband and say like, oh, do you play guitar or do you play? And he's like, no, she's the, she plays the instruments. And it's, it's impossible for us to strip ourselves of those stereotypes and expectations. We can't, we can't function in the world if we don't have some preconceived ideas about groups, because that's how our brains work. They classify. I mean, that's. That's what it is to be human. That's how a human brain. And, and in fact, you see a tiger, you go tigers, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah. I don't want to assume about this particular yeah. tiger, yeah. but generally, statistically, yeah. tigers are the worst. Let's run. Yeah. You don't go like, let me go up to this tiger and ask yeah. him how he identifies. And- <laughs> yeah. Do you feel, you know, do you like him? You know, I mean, it's. Do you so, identify as an omnivore or are you like more carnivorous <laughs> by the yeah. time you finish the question? He ate you. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like we should write a children's book called The Vegetarian Tiger. And it's all all about it's all about making assumptions. But I think I if that. we if we start with that, I mean I would I just just Saturday my kid was at a track meet and uh, the boys and girls run together. They they generally get segregated by sex, and they're t- eleven, and there's not very much difference in the times. They, there's more overlap than I, and I think a girl was the fastest on Saturday of all the boys and girls, but mm. um, but more boys came in before more girls. Not that different though, because they're prepubescent and their bodies are just they're not that different. They're all equally worthless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they have no function whatsoever. But anyway, 
they gave out medals to the first 15 kids. And my daughter noticed that the girl who came in behind her got a medal and she didn't and was like, huh, what? How didn't, why didn't I get a medal? So she asked the people in charge and they said, oh no, that, cause those were the girls' times. And she was like, oh no, I'm a girl. So I get a medal. So in the boys' time, she had come in 16th. So she was just outside it. But in the girls, she came in seventh. Um, and they were just like, oh, sorry. They, they didn't do the thing that sometimes, sometimes when people find out she's female, they go like, oh, they get so uncomfortable. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. They get so worried. I guess they, they feel like they don't understand. Is this a trans kid? Is this a non-binary kid? Is this a kid who identifies in some way that I'm unfamiliar with? about me now? Am I in trouble? Am I canceled? And she's just like, I don't care about any of that. Just give me the medal because I came in seventh. (laughs) And it did, it really doesn't, it really didn't bother her. She knows there aren't a lot of girls who look like her and how, why would they know? And I've, I've been in the beginning of this, I was always saying, oh, there weren't any girls on the playgrounds and in the schoolyard who looked like her. The truth is I wouldn't know because she looked like a boy to everyone who walked by. So no one knew that she was a girl. There could be lots of girls around looking like that, who I don't realize that they're female because you cannot tell with little kids. So Mm. there's, there's, we can't, those assumptions are there to protect us and help us navigate the world. But as we grow up, we have to try to move outside of them. And, and, and also if we make a mistake, just like, oh yeah, whoops, sorry. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, as the, as the brief aside note, it's like you mess up a, a pronoun or this or that. It's like, just, just be like, oh my bad. If the person's freaking out on you for it, that's, that's their issue. That's more about them. I love the, uh, at some point I learned the term gender chill and I just wrote this little Instagram post about that for my kid doesn't, I, you know, not everybody needs to identify, but mm-hmm. I have applied that word because I think it's wonderful if part of be of not conforming to gender norms includes also just not giving a shit about who you think I am and what you call me and not feeling that you're not feeling you need to control how other people view you. If, if you, if you can live that way in any way, not just with gender, but anyway, um, how great is that? You know? And I, and I think that, I think that really having an understanding of what it means to be human and having realistic expectations of other humans while still also asking them to be kind and generous and willing to learn is is a good way to be if you can hack it. Yeah. When you say, uh, you know, it's important that as we grow up to break down these categories that at a young age we have to protect us, does, is that where parenting comes in? Is that in large part where it's like a parent, com- you know, is is giving that context? Well, actually, I think, I think when it comes to to implicit bias, whether it be about gender or race or other categories, actually you have to step in very early because kids are 
um, learning about these categories and stereotypes around these categories by two, three years old. They've, they've got it. So it's actually very, very important to try to push back against the culture that way from a young age. But we also know that, like, we categorize things. That's how we learn. Mm. And so what I'm talking about is more, I think even um, somebody was talking to me yesterday about their health and said something about the doctor. And I don't think they used a pronoun with the doctor. And then I had gone in my head making assumptions. And then they said she and I had to be like, Oh, I just heard doctor and my mind went Mm -hmm. to man. Yeah. And you know, now there are loads of medicine and women in medicine, but that's recent. That's very recent, you know? And, um, I had, I had to remind my, I had to forgive myself for that. And, um, but it is, I am pretty, pretty old now. That is, that is an assumption that I could really try to peel back now. Really, the word doctor should be a gender neutral term at this point. So, you know, but when you say like it's it's good to start pushing back against that at a young age, so that's what uh, the types of toys, the types of media, the types of games, the types of books, is that, you know, yeah. how we do that? All of that and all, and yes, uh, everything you're saying and with race and with gender and really mm-hmm. show it, showing kids that there are a lot of different ways to be and really working hard to try to keep them from policing each other and saying, no, that's not a boy's toy. That's not a boy's color. Mm -hmm. This is only for girls. This is how girls are. And there's really interesting research that, that shows how if you show, if you take a, a group of boys and girls and you show them images of a girl playing with, a truck and saying, I love trucks and a boy playing with a doll and saying, I love dolls. And then you follow up and say, is a truck a boy's toy or a girl's toy? And then they say, Oh, it's a girl's toy. And it's a, and they'll think, they'll think that a doll is a boy's toy. And so it shows how not only um, how entrenched those messages are, but actually that it's kind of not that hard to peel them back. And that's, those same researchers also found that if a kid liked a toy and didn't know its gender marker, like if they mm-hmm. just picked up a, a silver balloon and were like, oh, I love this silver balloon. If the kid was a girl, she would think a silver balloon was a girl's toy because she's a girl and she likes it. So it surprised me after I learned a little bit about how kids learn about gender, how mm-hmm. few educational or medical professionals in our life knew anything about it. And so they made all kinds of assumptions, you know, that my kid not complying with gender norms, that it was about gender identity, which it could be, but also they're gender norms. They're not, they're not written in biology. And so rejecting them is not we, sh- we shouldn't make any assumptions about someone because they reject gender norms, and we should encourage 
all kids to reject gender norms. So instead of answering this question about what does it mean, is that a trans kid, is that a gay kid, is that a cis kid, is that a straight kid, trying to draw these direct lines between childhood gender nonconformity and some other outcome, I felt like the focus should be on reducing the hypergendering of childhood, getting our kids away from gender norms, and celebrating those kids who do that naturally and holding them up as models. It's like it's it's not this type of kid or that kid. That's just my kid. That's how this human is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting that that you know maybe ninety percent of kids or more will conform, and some won't. And why don't they conform? And what are the implications of that? Those are all questions worth asking. But I feel like it, the research kind of assumed that there was something pathological about the resisting of gender norms or that it's a potential problem in some way instead of resisting gender norms is what we all want. Like what's what we should want for our kids. So there's, there's research that shows that, that, you know, they use the word tomboys, but they mean girls who resist gender norms and even boys, as long as they're not too bullied, um, that those kids do better academically, um, for, especially for girls who are marked as tomboys. They tend to have better paying jobs. They are all, it's associated with all kinds of positive outcomes and, yeah. and creativity, right? Like the most creative people in the world tend to be kind of masculine and feminine. So not necessarily in how they look, although that can be that way. But in terms of drawing on these parts of themselves and developing these traits that we mistakenly think of as for men and for women. So there's so much good stuff associated with gender nonconformity that rather than kind of like separating those kids out who are like that and and wanting to like examine what makes them different. I would more ask, like, how can we make more kids like them? How can we make more kids conform to their nonconformity? How 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 can we get kids to be brave enough to probably be more like who they actually are, as opposed yeah. to who they're trying to be to fit in? Yeah, that uh, gender performance that they've learned to partake in so young. How can we open that up so that they can try on everything, kind of lit- literally and figuratively? How can they? How can they develop the full assortment of human skills and traits that would um, help them be successful grown-ups later? Yeah. So in the course of writing the book, researching the book, did you, you know, discover something that caused you to change your behavior in parenting your kids? What's maybe a, a change that in your parenting style since starting the book? I mean, I, I learned so much writing this book. I was just like, this job is crazy because it pays so badly and it's thankless. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a crazy job, but like getting paid to learn a whole bunch of stuff is so amazing. And I, like most people, I thought I knew a whole bunch about gender. And that's one of the hard things about writing this subject is most people are like, yeah, I already know. Thank you. And they know because of their own experience and they know what they see and they just think 
I thought, oh, that subject is simple. But what I learned was, holy shit, it's so complicated. And there are so many important life lessons I pulled out of this thing for myself. One of them is learning to live with ambiguity. Like, you know, this wanting to label everything. And I'm not arguing against having like 72 gender identities on Facebook or whatever. Like I'm, 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 I'm open to this, but I'm also saying that for young kids, you know, wanting to put a label on any time they're not doing exactly what you thought they were going to do because of their genitals. And then like, we need a name for it. And then we need to slot them into category. I mean, tomboy is, is that to a certain extent, but just learning to live with ambiguity, your, the sex of your child is not predictive of who your child's going to be. It's not predictive of what kind of person they're going to fall in love with. It's not predictive of how masculine or feminine, if we want to use those words, they're going to be, right? It's not predictive of how they're going to identify. It's just their body. And like when when the baby comes out and that's the first piece of information you get or you got that information before the baby came out, you know, trying not to make decisions based on that really requires you to operate differently as a parent. I mean, it means... If you're, if you're really going to not make sex the basis of your parenting, it means that you're going to buy every possible kind of item for your child. So you get a son and you're giving him a pink tutu and you're signing him up for ballet and football, right? Like it's, it's very, very hard for people, especially parents of boys, but like just providing living in this ambiguous space where you don't know and providing your kids with as many options as possible it it can be a, a powerful thing to just like to just not know and be okay with that. That's one is of the an, things I learned. Is there an ambiguity in particular that you had you learned to live with about gender? Oh, 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 with your kids, like, was there something that was ambiguous that when you realized, like, oh, we should like be more comfortable in this ambiguity and not necessarily knowing right now and right this second? Uh, you know, did you notice that you there was something with one of your children that you were like, I gotta learn to just not try to figure that out? I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't know how my children will identify. I feel like I kind of know, but, <laughs> um, but. You know, what I've said to my kids is we, your parents, are unconcerned with the genitals or the gender identity of the person you end up with. And, you know, your pronouns, you know, all of that is whatever, whatever happens, like, it's We're all, here. it's all We're, good. It's good. Yeah. So. In some ways, just get me the flag. I'll put it up. Whatever, <laughs> yeah, whichever yeah. flag right, it is, right, I don't know. Right, I don't even know, but I'll put it up. Make it a pretty flag. <laughs> um, no, I mean we have plenty. We have a lot of rainbow flags in here <laughs> already. But um, I think that what I've done is basically, and I, I think I've also overtly said this to one of them. It's just. If you would like to come out as something, you can come out, uh, but you also don't have to because there's no expectation of 
you know, I'm not like sitting here thinking you're going to be a straight cisgender person necessarily. So, um, you know, in our house, like these are your pronouns. That's just, they're just connected to your body and that's, if you need different ones, you get different ones. Mm -hmm. And so we're not, we're trying not to let the bodies or the pronouns set expectations about who you are. So I don't want to deny my kids the opportunity to come out, but I also don't want them to feel they have to as anything. Lisa, you are so dope. You seeming, uh, I feel like we could, I, I, I have to cut us off because I feel like we could be in a bar drinking whiskey for five hours doing this. If only, uh, if only like we could type. be. Yes. Uh, one day I will, one we'll, day I'll, I'll buy a round. Uh, Lisa, where can people find you? Where can they get your book? I would love it if they got, um, this tomboy book at, um, at their local bookstore. Please do. It's a heady topic, but it's written in an entertaining way, I hope. <laughs> and I'm on all the socials at Lisa Selen Davis, Instagram, Twitter, whatnot. Fantastic. Everyone, go check that out. Uh, get the book. Someone buy me the book for Christmas. How's that? Because uh, I would like to read this one now. I'll send you um, one. Oh, thank you. You're, you're <laughs> sweet. Um, Lisa, you are... You're awesome. I had a blast. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, everybody. And Billy. If you love that conversation with me and Lisa like I did, then you need to know that there is a whole ass bonus episode coming out on Friday on Patreon. That's going to be uh, exclusive to all my $5 and up members. We really just kind of continue talking about, you know, parenthood and gender. We did tackle that question of, you know, with young trans kids. Okay, like, when do we start bringing medicine into this? When do we, like, buy them new clothes and tell them to hold off on the meds? So that whole tricky topic, that's behind the paywall. And you can access that bonus episode and over 200 other bonus shows at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com slash Manwhore Podcast. But I'd love to know what you thought about this week's show. Parents out there, slutty parents, vanilla parents, whatever parents. Is, are you a parent who is uh, concerned or trying to raise your kid in a sex positive household? I want to hear from you. What did you think? I mean, gosh, this is one of my blind spots in this realm is the idea of parenting children. I got no idea. So if you're a parent and you've got strong reactions to this episode, I would love to hear them. You can email me at manhorpod at gmail.com. You can also make your thoughts more public, uh, which I would love if you would tweet about the show, post a screenshot of the podcast in your Instagram story. Dare I say, share this in a Facebook group you're in. Make sure you give me some tags so I can see the love. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresida. I'm on Instagram at BillyIsPresida. You have to spell that whole bitch out because Billy is shadow banned. Uh, and you can always smash that like button on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page or give us a tag over there. Folks, OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. I hope your Thanksgivings uh, included at least a little bit of stuffing, if you know what I mean, and uh, a, a fair amount of sanity away from those family members that, well, you know you can't stand. Hope you stayed home. Hope you stayed slutty.
It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a Man Whore podcast discount on any of their products with promo code BILLY40 at MotorBunny.com. <laughs> 